One announcement before we begin this podcast. Our guest today, Tung Ki, is a very talented visual effects artist. However, he has a strong accent. If you're not used to listening to a non-native speaker, then I highly suggest watching the video version of this episode. Not only will you be able to read along with the subtitles, but also we have a lot of his work projected in the background of the video throughout the entire episode. Good afternoon, morning, or evening, everybody out there, and welcome to another episode of the Design Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Grove, and with me, my very special guest, Tunki. Yeah. Known to some of you out there as Crazy Monkey. Can I say just Tung, or do I have to say Tunki? Is it? It's just Tung, yeah. Just Tung. Tung is my real name. All right. Mm. Tung is the founder of the Box Collective, which is a... Well, I'm going to let you describe it. What is the Box Collective? So the Box Collective is uh, is a crazy visual studio. So we do uh, every kind of you know visual for uh, music festival, for corporate event, for art performance, and uh, the visual is mean like whatever related to uh, motion design, graphic design, and uh, for section work like mapping or you know hologram so mostly like that yeah yeah how much of your work is done like the the deliverable product the finished product how much of that is delivered through projection versus lcd screens or Mm. like um i imagine if a venue hires you to create visuals that sometimes it's done through projection sometimes it's done through lcd screens or uh, that would be uh, 50-50. Uh, it's really depend on on uh, the the brief of client. So sometimes they prefer to do for this mapping, and sometimes they just want to do the simple mostly design on LED screen. But then uh, our strongest ability is uh, is the vision, which means like we we missing video on LED screen, and um, uh, that would be the most thing that we focus for. From the very beginning, right. when, uh, when Did we you opened say VJing? the box, vision, yeah, uh, VJ and vision. Vision is more, is more correct because some people are gonna be like, they're gonna be uh, misleading with VJ from MTV, for example. But then, so we call it vision for you know separate, two oh, different words. Right. Mm. So, like, what's the difference in the spelling? Because in MTV, VJ is just the letter V, the letter J. Yeah. And here we call it Vijing. It's with ing as the last part. Oh, so Vijing. Vijing. Okay. Yeah. When I first met you, you were the creative director or an artistic director at... I'm uh, art director at uh, Yan TV Vietnam. How did you get from... Like, how did you start working there? And then what was your journey from there to where you are now? It's been a long time since I, you know, uh, since I uh, start my career. So my I I've started everything as the uh, illustrator. I'm doing a lot of freelancing, uh, illustrating job until I moved to Saigon to work as the advertising agency. So I I'm stay in advertising for six years until I moved to Yan TV. When I feel like when I work in advertising, I I cannot handle my creative work 100%. So that's why I just decided to move to, you know, uh, from uh, below the line to, uh, from above the line to below the line. So I just handling the uh, the visual work more. So I just moved to Yan TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, in that, within those industries, what is the meaning of above the line and below the line? So above the line is uh, for is it that term for advertising agency is when you mostly producing creative idea, like you, you come up with a big idea for the whole advertising campaigns, or you you only do the advertisements. So for some people they they feel good with that 
But then for me, I I want to you know hand touch on most of what I'm doing. So I just feel like it's not enough for me. And uh, when you feel it's not enough, then you will feel boring. You feel you want to get out. So I just uh, moved to Yan TV to you know become the art director of the whole of the whole motion design team. So I can work with them. I can you know adding my art direction here and there, changing the color, and uh, I'm staying Yan TV for two years. The other thing that you were doing at around that time when I first met you, you were exhibiting in the Saigon Art Book. Yeah, that's fun time. You know? good, good time, good time. You were making a lot of paintings of flying penises. <laughs> I can say that with a straight face. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's a motif that's come up again and again in, in your visual work. Mm-hmm. Another motif I've seen coming up in your work a lot is your own face like kind of looking like a buddha in in some way yeah this is a really fun time to experimenting different kind of elements so that element i use uh, you know the flying penises and my my buddha head is is from six years ago six or seven years ago and uh, it's a time i want to experiment in something fun something you know uh, pe- can make people smile can make people laugh and uh, at the same time, we can, uh, you know, I can add in some crazy element on that. Yeah. How about your use of color? So I'm, I'm used to use a lot of color, like whatever color I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm putting into my artwork. But then recently I, I, I use less and less color. So I want to start from uh, uh, back to the beginning. I want to study about the shape about the layout, about how the shape positioning first and then color will be the later. So that's why I, uh, my recent work is mostly black and white. Yeah, it's really, it's really different with what I'm doing six or seven years ago. Hmm. Okay, please help me uh, along your journey here from working as art director on the motion graphics team at Yan TV mm. to being the head of the Box Collective. Mm. How did you make that transition from basically an employee to, mm. I think, freelancer to eventually an established company? It's not. It's not a smooth transition. I mean, like it's it had a lot of gap. I have to fill in when you employee. You have the, your stable income. You have your network. You have your coworker. But when when you when you open something for your own, maybe you have to facing with loneliness for quite a long time. For me, it's a kind of one or two years. I'm working mostly alone. Because first is uh, what I'm doing at that time is six years ago, I'm, I'm start doing vising, visaying. Right. And I have to explain with most of the people I met about what I'm doing because they don't understand. But then, you know, when, uh, uh, I have my my luck is uh, I I have a lot of connection already before I uh, stop working at Yan TV. When I move to Box Collective, I already have some connection, and I keep you know introdu- introducing them about what I'm doing. So I get my uh, first client for Box Collective is quite uh, early. So it's going and going, and I get more and more client. So I'm doing website and stuff, and yeah, it's happened. Mm. So that transition took me for about two years. I mean, how, how big is your team now? How many people are working with Box? So, so my team is on uh, 15 people right 15 now. 15 people? Yeah, it's 15 people. And uh, that's only for uh, mostly design. And for the financing and accounting, um, uh, about four four people more, maybe in total will be nearly twenty people. Wow! Right now, do you include yourself in those twenty? No. <laughs> okay. So with yourself, you're definitely at about twenty people. <laughs> I'm a I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words here because I supposed that you were about five people. 
And now here are four times larger than what my guess was. Is, is this room, we, it used to be my uh, kind of first office. So you can see the box creative logo here and there at the door. But then now we moved our office to DC3. So it's a much bigger office. But then I, I keep all the logo here as a memory. And now it's not uh, the box creative anymore, but just a just box. Just box? Just box, yeah. Because it's not uh, the creative anymore. It's become the, the company with the whole structure and stuff, yeah. So what's the official... Because you know, like on, on Vietnamese company registrations, hmm. the names can be very long. Yeah. So what's the official name? The office name is, uh, in Vietnamese, is Công ty trách nhiệm cổ phần hộp sưu tập. So it's uh, like the, uh, that's a Vietnamese translate for, for, for box. Just box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is the word box anywhere within that official company name? Um, so it's the company. The uh, box. Okay. Yeah. So we change the name to the box. Just box. Yeah, not creative box, not uh, collective box. It's just box. I guess that probably works within within Vietnam, but worldwide, there's box is probably a hard name to trademark. Of course. Even when I'm uh, sign up for the domains. It's uh, some creative box and design box already there, like designbox.com or creativebox.tv. Right. So I still need to keep the uh, box creative. Yeah, as a choice name. You'd For almost now. think that dot box could be a domain, a <laughs> high level domain name. <laughs> could yeah. be like monkey dot box or whatever. All right. So just before we get any deeper into it, people want to check out some of the box. Just some of Box, the work of Box. What's the Instagram? What's the what's the the website? You know, where could people go? Uh, so we have a hot start. We have called Box Visuals, maybe Box Visual or Box Visuals with S. Yeah. So that's uh, so hot start. We use a lot for you know if we want to follow our work on Instagram. And also we have the website, it's called uh, workwideweb.theboxcollective.tv. Okay. So it will be our official website. Theboxcollective.tv. Theboxcollective.tv. So you can uh, look in and you can see our blog and our latest work there. Do you keep that pretty much up to date? I just updated uh, for this Lunar News year when I had a lot of time. Okay. And it's been the latest update is two years ago. Before that. Before yeah. that. <laughs> it's really hard as a... It's, it's, I don't know, it's very hard as a creative to keep your portfolio up to date. Yeah, you, you, do, you never have time. Never have time to do it. And uh, you Now, know, with 20 people on staff, couldn't you have... Asked somebody to update the website. Even the twenty people, I have to do it by myself because I, I know which is the best work and which is the best photo to put on there. Okay, you know, I I I have to do it, and after two years, it's quite a lot of work. So I have to you know, you know, collecting myself, you know, which is the best and put it on the website and writing the description. Yeah, I wish I can, you know, handle it to someone else, but I have to do it. Are the descriptions in English or are they all in Vietnamese? According to English. Oh. So we want to, uh, you want to, to, to the, uh, the people outside Vietnam to see that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about your, your more recent works then uh, and of, of the company itself. You said you have motion, you guys are doing a lot of motion graphics? Yeah, uh, we have motion graphic and yeah, mostly motion graphic designer. Okay. And they also do uh, doing uh, graphic design. They also doing visioning, and some some of the guy also can do sound designing. So your typical clients are they coming for you for different clients for different of those services, or you're providing 
all of those services for one client or all of those skills are going into one final club installation or something like that. Mm. So the client win well uh, when they come to us they will have the, maybe they will handle everything to us. It depends on the brief. For now we, we only focus on mostly designing. And sometimes we, if the client wants to suit in something, we uh, we work with our supplier or our partner. But then we, uh, you know, I'm looking for to handle everything. Like, sure. So we're providing one service to client in so the future. Do you have a typical client? Yes, mostly for, from event company. Okay. Yeah, event companies, they, they need a new idea for, you know, for opening performance for a celebrity ceremony so they they come to us and they they asking for for that they're asking for some new element for their performances and sometimes uh, we'll be the show director or music video director yeah in some of the work i've seen you present before mm. there's an interactive element to it mm-hmm. of course if anybody's thinking about typical vjing the interactive element might just be the VJ themselves because at the event they're making decisions about which effect to apply or which video feed to cut to or which animation to cut to at that moment or you know how they want to overlay and mix stuff. Some of that stuff I think is also driven by audio, mm. like having it be responsive to the audio levels. Right. Like every time yeah. there's a bass hit, then mm. this thing comes up. Uh, but You've taken it definitely a step further where you've used technologies like the Xbox Connect, the mm-hmm. Prime Sense, you know, radar sensors or whatever they are for, for uh, I think, creating some visuals, right? Like uh, mm. when you do clubs and stuff, how much of that is just pre canned loops that are playing? Like if somebody wants just to have a permanent installation and is, or is there anything that's interactive with that? That's really depend on the brief, you know, uh, if they want to do a key moment for the opening something, you know, the opening of the event, opening of the ceremony. So definitely we need to pre-render that. So before the safety, you know, have to preparing a whole video and this is a play button. Oh, you're right. Yeah. But then for uh, event experience, if, if they want to do something real time for people interactive there as an event, so we're providing the uh, interactive real time graphic solution for them. So that, that two things is different. They're not uh, together. If you want to interactive something uh, on the real time graphic, you expect something simple and fun. It's not like you want to tell in the story, you want to tell in that value, that number is different. Okay, what's this? What's this here? <clears throat> so this is myself. So I, I do the 3D scan my body and I put it into the, uh, into the um, 3D software and do some motion graphic on it. So this is a part of my uh, installation, it's called uh, the ownership zero. So I have this uh, object into motion graphic video and also this object 3D print outside. So you can see the uh, different value between yeah um, the real things and the virtual things. You can have the uh, compare. I'm going to say that some of your work has a glitch aesthetic to it would you agree or disagree with that the glick glitch glitch oh yeah i love that effect yeah that effect is some it's something um you know very signature for for the digital world this is the world that we live in right we see the glick everywhere when we uh have a click on our, our tv we have see the click on on our cell phone you know and then we see the click on uh, everywhere. So that's the signature. So I, I just love that effect. I think you apply it sometimes in ways that are beyond what's typical. Like 
it's easy enough to have some kind of After Effects glitch plugin that just kind of, I don't know, does something like a square wave distortion on a visual and maybe separates the colors a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at, at this image here, it's kind of glitchy in a way that's not like that. It's not just that effect. It's kind of just glitchy by the technology of it itself, right? I mean, we've got aliasing going around uh, the edge, and I don't even know what's you know going on here. Yeah, this like what's this? So big- that's an interesting things about uh, the that effect you mentioned. As you can see here, we see it's very close, distant for for Jackson. And then what you see is a pixel. So that's a real pixel of uh, of the projectors. Uh-huh. It's okay. like when you see the close to your monitor screen, right. you can see that pixel. And that's also the uh, signature of, you know, what I'm doing. I love pixel. I, I love distortions. I love glitching. And I, I love the uh, pixelate. So it's, it, I mean, also you can see this is kind of very voxel-like. It, for those who are only listening to the podcast, uh, what we're looking at on the wall behind us seems to be a 3D scan of a human torso, and it's being rendered. It's turning slowly, um, but there's a lot of imperfections in the way that it looks. Mm. If you if you think about a typical computer graphics, think about something like Toy Story, which is very smooth, very seamless, very perfect. Um, what I think is interesting about your work, Dung, is that you celebrate the imperfections that the technology has. You, you, some things that some people might fight against to try to smooth out and get a certain result, you seem to say, here's some technical limitations that the technology has, and I'm going to express those limitations fully as, a, as opposed to trying to hide those limitations. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, um, that's another uh, thought. You know, I already interesting on how people react with what I'm doing. And uh, because when, I, uh, when I'm doing, I, I just not put a lot of thought on it. I just uh, follow the concept and and just do it. And sometimes we have very an unexpected result because what I'm doing is uh, is all uh, computer generated work, so the result can be random. So as you can see here, the uh, drawing is very random, and uh, yeah. But then people when they look at it, they see they they see the random things and. Uh, they have a different thinking. So this is what I'm love about what I'm doing. I'm going to ask a really out of the blue question here. Are you familiar by any chance with um, this man named Chuck Suri? Chuck Suri? Yeah. No, not really. Okay. Yeah. Um, I recorded an interview with him a few years ago. I haven't edited it yet. Oh yeah, but I'm going to include it in. Uh, I'm going to make a podcast episode out of it. Mm-hmm. He invented computer graphics and computer animation. Wow! And of all the artists that I'm personally aware of, I'm sure there's many I, I'm not aware of. But of all the ones I'm personally aware of, your work is like the most clearly the spiritual successor to his work. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I'll just show a little clip of one of his works right here. So people can compare, but uh, I remember I remember this series uh, back when there was this bar called um, Cube. The Cube, yeah. Not to be confused with with Box. You did uh, a piece of work similar to this, if yeah. not the same thing, where it was a uh, street art illustration on the wall, and then projection mapping that's. Overlaid, you know. Yeah, I miss that, man. Like, the good thing about uh, doing a mirror and then do a mapping on it is, it's just pretty cool and fun. You know, you you you're doing a mirror, and now you're doing your mapping on it. 
so you have uh, twice the fun. But then the bad thing is after the event, they clean up the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it disappears forever. It's only it's only a life in in a video for now. And uh, yeah, it's a sim. It's about uh, five years ago, five six years ago. I'm doing that. You know, the funny thing is, I I went to the same location with the Cuba just last night, and now it's become the uh, whole Vietnamese restaurant. Okay. It's like kind of you know people drinking beer and eating uh, you know beef. Does it still have a modern aesthetic, or did they change the? They change everything. It's become the Vietnamese restaurant. And it's give me the feeling of you know my when you see your you know your favorite place gone and become something else. You have the real feeling of your your last city, your city is not like that anymore. It's like your your old Saigon is gone. Yeah, yeah. Saigon is not a good place to live if you value holding on to. The past. The past. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it, it only takes a few months or, you know, for things to change so much that that place that was your favorite place just has turned into something else yeah. completely different. You know, maybe because I'm, uh, I'm from Hanoi. Uh-huh. So I have the feeling like that. Yeah. I'm Hanoian. So, yeah. Can you contrast... Um, in, in as far as this topic goes, can you contrast Hanoi and Saigon? Do um, restaurants or bars or art galleries do these things change faster or slower in Hanoi than they do in Saigon? Uh, yeah, of course they're changing much slower. Okay, because there is not uh, a lot of bar and and gallery in in Hanoi, so they would be uh, less competitive. And uh, they can keep that place for quite a few years. Yeah, it's not compared to Saigon. You know, you, if your bar is survive for one year, it's just a set, right? So, and uh, of course, things is move, moving much slower in Hanoi. Yeah, so Hanoi is a the place for the past, and uh, the Saigon is, is always moving, always changing. Hmm. Does the ever moving, ever changing aspect of Saigon influence your work at all? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I sometimes I feel like that. You know, I, I feel the same when I moved to the city ten uh, about ten years ago, and um, also what I'm doing is uh, it's changing follow that vibe of the city. So I'm moving from illustration to uh digital painting and to motion graphic and to visual art so after f- it's four or five years so I'm, I'm always hungry for the new element for my work and i'm trying to mix everything together so yeah now that you're running a 20-person company do you have time to explore your own personal work i think that um I'm I'm also uh luck that I that's my uh you know my my artistic uh artwork my artistic uh, feeling of the what I'm doing is the main factor of box. I mean like what I'm doing for arts is also the value for for the box. Right. Sometimes you you're not getting there, you know. Uh sometimes when you want to do something different then uh, the daily commercial project you have to have to try very hard. But I'm uh, I always balancing uh, between um, what I'm doing for my artwork and uh, what's box doing. So when people see what I'm doing for art project, they see the value for box, what box doing, and they you know uh, contribute each other. Yeah. Right, so clients are coming to box because they want the box signature style. They want right? the artistic style of yeah. box. Yeah, they're not going to come to you and ask for something that they could get at Ogilvy or, you know. Uh, yeah, they're not going to come to box to ask something like uh, something simple, 
And something that, you know, the thousand of other studios can do that. They come into box because they want to do some something different, something unique, something have the artistic on it. Uh, that's uh, what I'm, I really appreciate, to have box with that uh, spirit standing out on this market. Yeah. Well, you are my hero in, in this regard. I had an aspiration for a long time that I wanted to create, you know, a signature style where brands or, you know, people who wanted work done would be like, we need that guy. We need those guys to, to come in. And, uh, I don't think I really ever, at least not yet, haven't, I haven't gotten to that point. So props to you. <laughs> props to you for actually making that happen. I'm, I, I kind of want to get back to this idea of, of running a 20 person company. How did, how did the scaling end up happening? How do you know when you need to hire another person? And because, you know, the more people you have on your team, if you don't get a project the next month, now you, yeah. you're burning money. Right. So yeah, of course that's a, uh... That's a business question. When you're handling five people in your team, it's, uh, it's different. But then when you have more than 10 people in your team, it's, you need the uh, you layout for your whole company. You need to put your uh, the people there and there and organizing everything. And you cannot do it that alone. You need someone like a business partner to help you on that. So that's why when... Uh, when I inviting uh, another business partner into my company, and they, and he start to organize that for me, so I'm still you know working as the creative mind for Box. But then uh, the other people like him, and the account manager, gonna be working direct with the team. And you know like. The, I I think for some some kind of some kind of the studio that uh, I'm doing right now, the most important thing is uh, you have to create something for so for people to believe in, and that we're gonna be connect them together. Um, with Box, I I believe that we have the value for for people who want to do something new for their project, for their portfolio, and that gonna be connect them together. You, so where do, where do your staff typically come from? What's their background? Uh, so they've come from very different background. But then mostly they uh, come from the uh, graphic design background. Because I think that's the most important thing. You have to know how to design first before you do anything, you know. They will from the background of, you know, uh, architecture, they form some guy from uh, motion graphic school, but some guy from a fire school, and some guy from uh, whatever school I don't know. Yeah. But they, so some people say follow me from a very beginning of the box. It's called uh, five years ago, and they start to learning everything from zero. But some people, when they first come to the box, they already master on something else, but then. Uh, I always put them to work together with the with the old team, so they can training each other. So now they have a very equal knowledge on what we are doing. Mm. What's the difference between a good client and a bad client? You must have some kind of war stories or success right. stories. So the good client is always they they come with a plan. They come with a plan with a timeline, which is you know. Uh, uh, which is uh, I have one or two months preparing for everything. They have a good budget with a plan because they have a plan. So that's always a good client because they have a plan and they come to you from a very beginning. So it means like you are their first choice and uh, they, they, they want to do something serious. And the worst client is they don't have any plan at all. Everything is so rough. And they come with you when the project is only have like one week or two week left. So it means like you will be the, their third choice, or maybe uh, because they saw you, they choose you because only about the money and about the 
you know, whatever other reason. So that's the worst client. And at the ending, the, the our results is always bad. It's mostly bad for that kind of type of uh, person, uh, type of uh, client who come, yeah. When you have one of those bad client situations, do you turn them away or do you accept it? Uh, that's also a very nice, <laughs> very uh, tough question because sometimes uh, when the client come, they have some their reason to to become that late, you know. So uh, if that understandable, we're gonna help them, but then we're gonna tell them that, you know, with that plan, that would be not, not the best work for us. Mm -hmm. We only helping them to follow the deadline. For some clients, they, the first time they work with us and they uh, having that behavior, we yeah we sometimes we say no with the client, but then we say no very politely, and then we uh, tell them that we look forward to working with them in like in next project if they have better plan. Right. Yeah. Have, have there been any clients that did come back with a better plan? Yeah, of course, some of them. Oh, great. Uh, in front of me here is a. Two-person Street Fighter V arcade stick. Is this for playing games or is this for your visuals? <laughs> of course, that's for playing games. I love uh, Nails Out System. I love arcades, you know, when I was a little child, I always went to the game center to play that. But then with this machine, you know, you can have like the 4,000 game and you don't have to... Uh, Insert any core to it, right? Yeah, so it saves a lot of money. Is this an all-in-one system here? All-in-one system. Oh, really? You only can plug. You know, need to plug the HDMI cable, and they have a speaker here and the power, everything. What are your favorite games? A middle slug. Okay. Is it a Mame then, or what? Like, what's the emulator running in here? The emulator built by uh, Chinese. Okay. So it's uh, have all of the Chinese word there. Of course, that's uh, illegal on, on some country because, you know, you, you, you hack every every game. The Nintendo, you hack, and the Sega, you hack it. But then in Vietnam, so we can easily choose that. I got one of those, you know, I don't even remember what they call them, but they're like these miniature Super Nintendos or miniature Famicons, and they come with like 20 games on them. I don't know, they were pretty big like a year ago. Oh, yeah. And um, this is a small one. Yeah, it looks the same, but just smaller as the original Nintendo or the original Famicom or Super Famicom or Super Nintendo. But you can update the software running on it to play other so systems. You can hack it, right? You can hack it pretty easily. Yeah. I also have a Switch here. My Switch is also my favorite game. It's uh, Bring Me Back to Video Game, actually. Yeah. And uh, I heard that you, Thomas, you have the uh, big plan for the Switch back. Yeah, well, yeah. And I would love to have one. You better sell me one. I can pay you now. <laughs> All right. You got there. That's a good endorsement there. <laughs> yeah, the Switch bag. You know, the story behind that was uh, I got my son a Switch for his birthday. Mm. And i it's it's a weird shape it didn't fit any of the bags he had and i was like do you want to go to the store and um look for a bag and he said no i want the bag that papa designs mm. and then i changed the direction of my company for the next year we stopped everything we were doing and just work, try to develop this bag for my son yeah. i think <laughs> so, that's a cool idea yeah. <laughs> i find myself when i was younger i had more ideas I was more creative when I was younger. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I feel that, I don't know, there's something about getting older that makes you more conservative, more, you know, when you're younger and you, you have an idea for something and somebody says, well, that's never going to work. You're like, ah, screw you. I'm going to show you that it can work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you get older, you, you, when somebody else presents you an idea, you're like, ah, oh, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because like I tried it once and this was the result. Yeah. Uh, is that happening to you? Or are you able to keep a youthful curiosity and a youthful mm. optimism? 
of course that that happened for me you know when we aging our, our mind is different our body is different physically and uh you have to deal with that you know you have to deal with all, all that changing and uh, for me uh, i my mind is, is quite different with my mind 10 years ago but now i have I have the uh, a new ability it's called the focus Oh. Yeah, so in here because we don't have much time left. So let's say I, I'm I'm 33 right now, and uh, uh, we we all have a sense of you know we we're gonna die in like 30 years, right? We don't we don't have that sense when we in 20. So now when I want to do something, I just want to focus to finish that and to to make it the best what I can. And uh, I try it a couple of times and, and it's work. So it's, it's not like uh, when I uh, used to have a lot of idea and then, you know, do this and do that, you know, changing very fast. But now I, I want to focus on something and try to, to finish that. So that's a new ability. Only have when you're aging. Yeah. It's good to have some benefits. Yeah, that's a good benefit of aging. What would be an example of something that you want to finish that you may not have had enough focus before to finish? So let's say somebody, uh, what I'm doing for box is sometimes I want to ace, uh, I, I want to finish. Is so you, you when you have a sense you you want to finish that. Also, we have a sense for your aces. Your aces, like your exit. Yeah. Like, you know, you have a saying like in next five years, you're not going to do that anymore. You, you're going to do something else. So we have five years to focus on that and then do the most you, know, you can for, for, what I'm, for what you're doing. And then after five years, we change you to do something else. Maybe I'm going to open a restaurant. I'm, I'm cooking for, you know, like serving my friends. Yeah, I'm thinking that's why. So I have a feeling of relax. That's my the part of my game. I only have five years to do that, so I'm gonna do the best I could for, for 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 box. And also at the same time, like uh, the same with my 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 art things. You know, I have a focus on box for five years, and then after five years, I'm gonna focus on my art. When you have a sense of aging, you have a clear schedule of what, what are you doing. It's not happen when you are 20 or 25, you know. It's only start when I am 30 and I start scheduling what I'm doing. Because that's, you know, that feeling. So I just decided to, to sell a part of Box in the last year. So Box now is running a big corporation. It's not a separate studio anymore, but starting a, a bigger corporation. So I have my business partner. They're going to invest on box. They're going to, you know, even direct box in the direction they, we are one. So that's a less stress for me. And also I can see my aces in next five years. Can you say who, who bought an interest in box? Who, who you partnered with? What the bigger corporation is? Other corporation is called Enpoi, and uh, that's a half Vietnamese uh, and half uh, international corporation, and they are buying uh, ATV3. They also have Novo Production. They have uh, Amberstone. They also bought Billboard to Vietnam. You know Billboard, Billboard B- Music Award. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, Billboard Vietnam is what belongs to them, and uh, I'm selling box to that corporation last year. The podcast I watch the most, the, the Joe Rogan experience, they smoke weed and, and drink uh, whiskey or whatever. They, uh, I never hear any long periods of silence. In a lot of my interviews, I'll just pick, like, huh, I wonder what I should ask next. And I just kind of like wait around until I think of it. Or I tell a stupid story like this. But I never hear that in his podcast. Uh, of course, you could edit it out, but I get the sense that they don't, that it's pretty much live. But uh, I edit mine, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one that Elon Musk is, uh, 
Yeah, that's and, the one where right, Elon right. Musk is uh, doing smoking zone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool, anyway. Yeah, I, I love that kind of vibe, and uh, I think we are doing pretty good right now. Yeah, and, it's not uh, bad. we 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 sharing and uh, you know the uh, everything. Do you right. follow anything like like Tesla, Elon Musk, or? Uh, I'm I'm not follow that. But then it's all over the news. It's all over the news. I follow uh, Elon Musk Twitter. I think that uh, what they are doing is amazing in terms of the uh, direction, very, un- very unique direction, very very unique, uh, you know, philosophy. And also the uh, the presenter is Elon Musk. He's, he's a fun guy, interesting billionaire. Do you know anything about VinFast? Oh, yeah. And of course, I'm Vietnamese. Yeah. So <laughs> the VinFast say they, you know, Vin Group, they want to target uh, our, you know, our love of the country. So he will love, he will love the country. You have to buy, you have to buy our product. Yes, uh, that's why they are trying to, to tell you. And VinFast is something uh, similar. In terms of the uh, product, I I don't think that they they have that good, you know they they copy a lot of thing, and uh, the the inside machine is not uh, it's not that good. Uh, I mean the engine, the engine of the uh, the car is not that good, but then they uh, they have the uh, back service when you buy the car. They they calling you. They care about what what you doing and support you a lot so that's, that's what i heard about for my friend and i think that's good yeah yeah are they doing any electric vehicles of course they're doing electric uh motorcycle oh mm. that and, sounds uh, interesting you know they they uh when you bought one and after a week they calling you they asking about how you feel about the electric uh, how you feel about the battery and if you have only one complaint, they're gonna replace with one full new machine for you, and I think that's a good things. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, that's a reason for people to buying. Right? Are those electric bicycles or electric motorbikes? It's electric motorbike. Okay. Yeah. I met a guy a few months ago who is working for an animation studio that's also owned by Vin Group. The name of that studio, it's kind of escaping me right now, but they they did a short animation and their studio is named after like the character of that animation. They're in uh over by Mastery in District 2. So they are this is a motion design studio. No, like a like a like Pixar. They like Pixar. Yeah, like Pixar, but the, Vietnamese uh, Pixar. Wow, and they bought by uh, VinGroup. Started by VinGroup, I think. Wow. Yeah, the president of VinGroup was like, "I want an animation studio," and I guess when that guy wants something, like he gets it. Nice. That's very interesting <laughs> too. So they want to in-house everything. Yeah, I, th- I think they've made a couple kids TV shows to this point, but they have bigger aspirations. Yeah, yeah. For our international audience, there is this. What the Japanese would call a zaibatsu, a giant mega corporation called Vin Group, which has Vin Homes, Vin Fast, Vin whatever. Any industry you can kind of think of, they they have their version of it. They've got their finger in in a lot of different industries, um, a lot of uh, real estate and food and. Entertainment. I mean, what yeah, any that Vinguru has become the uh, the big thing in uh, in Vietnamese uh, society. You know, you, you live in you live in Vin home. You go to you know Vin Mart to to buying some fruit, and uh, your kids went to you know Vin school to study, and then you you went to, you know, Vin, Vin Group for working and then you driving Vin Fast car to, to, you know, so it's a whole, whole your life 
gonna be inside Vin Vin things, Vin's universe. This happened for a couple of years right now when when Vin Group is extending, and uh, but also I I read some article, some article about you know the same thing happened in Korea, you know Samsung. So Samsung is kind of big corporation and they dominate everything in the country. And, you know, at the same time, it's, it's good for you as a social life, the society. But then at the same time, it uh, affect a lot of small, smaller vendors. Like it's, uh, it's killing a lot of uh, small business vendors and it's, it's not good for, for the business in general. Because you don't have the you know variety of uh, business in the country. One thing that I think is, let's say, let's say resilient about Vietnam is if you look at the one area where this dynamic doesn't seem to be a risk is coffee and food mm. in in Vietnam, like restaurants and cafes. You have McDonald's coming into the country. You have Starbucks coming into the country. But there's still a thousand independent restaurants and a thousand independent. I mean, a thousand is, is ridiculously small. I mean, it's, there's probably a hundred thousand independent restaurants and a hundred thousand independent cafes. Whereas in, in, in America, Starbucks has, I think, been a, a more powerful force in terms of like shutting out other kinds of mm. other kinds of uh, cafes, but you know, not, not here. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, that's just one arbitrary example, but you could, I mean, you could look at Kentucky fried chicken or. So, any, yeah. McDonald's, they cannot survive here because there is the, you know, the first type of fur. When you eat that, if you have a feeling of the uh, slow cooking, right? You have the fresh meat, you have the uh, fresh uh, uh, vegetable, and everything is fresh. You can observe the soup, you know. But then the serving is really fast. Like take you five minutes, right? Yeah, or so less. So it's like fast food, but at the same time it's slow food. And there's a thousand of uh, similar kind of... Uh, and the price is good too. The price is good. Yeah. So McDonald's has always be the second choice. Hmm. So when I go out, I'm, I'm hungry. My first choice will be pho or something else. But uh, and the second choice, the third choice may be McDonald's. Right. Yeah, because it's near my place or because I saw that I want something quick. And uh, because they want to accept my, they accept my credit card, for example. So that's the reason for me to, to come to McDonald's. Not because uh, it's good, uh, the food is good, or the prices, no. Yeah, when they first launched, they were certainly popular. They had lines. They had lines, and, and that because people interest, because like, they're curious. They're curious on that kind of you know, food that first uh, happened in Vietnam, the kind of service. But then when, uh, you know, after half a year, a couple of months, everything is uh, become normal, and just becomes their second choice. <laughs> you mentioned that uh, the Switch reignited your passion for gaming. Yeah. Uh, I think it did that for a lot of people, but, you know, specifically for you, why why was that? When I want to do uh, playing a video game before straight, right, I have to do a lot of things. I have to insert the, uh, the discs into, the, uh, uh, into the, my PS4, I have to turn on the PS4, I have to turn on the TV, I have to, you know, positioning for the TV and uh, in, the, in a good position on the chair or something and then playing. And then when I finish playing, I have to redo every step again to turn off the system. And sometimes we don't have time to do that, even the little time, right? And then with the streak, it's simple, it's simple like the power on. You can play everywhere. You can play when you, uh, before you go to sleep. You can play in the taxi. You can play when you wait for something, when you wait your wife shopping. And you will play when you, sorry, but when, when you go to toilet. 
right? You could play everywhere. You don't have to apologize for playing games while you <laughs> go to the, the toilet. <laughs> so it's it's have a lot. It's have a lot, and of course, the Switch is amazing device. You can play a lot of game on on Switch too. You know, it's not only the simple game like the like the kid game anymore but it's very much complex game like recently i'm playing the witcher oh yeah on the street witcher 3 Witcher three yeah which is you know like it's a couple of years ago you only can play that with the decent pc with a high level machine you know but now you can play it on streets the visual is stunning yeah so it's um had me to do a lot of spend maximize my time to video game and uh yeah this is bring my love back to video games that way do you normally play it <clears throat> handheld or do you normally play it on a screen oh like a- so when i'm playing on the screen is when i want to play with my friends we see on the big screen so that's why we play we dub it yeah but then mostly i'm playing and playing handheld i see yeah. i found for certain games um, especially action adventure games. So let's say Breath of the Wild, Zelda, Breath mm. of the Wild. Wow, my favorites. I found that game to be much better on the s- docked and on the TV than handheld. Like your character is just a little too small when it's in the handheld mode. I mean, it takes up the same portion of the screen real estate, but you know, just in terms of physical size, he's quite small. The other thing was my Switch is one of the ones that, one of the many that has suffered from uh, controller drift, mm. where the analog sticks register an input, let's say left or whatever direction, even though you're not touching it. Mm-hmm. And in a game like, in, in a game like Zelda, where you're doing some platform puzzles, that could definitely kill you. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I ended up getting a pro controller and and you know, playing it on the TV. I found that to be a better experience for me, but certainly the versatility of being able to have the freedom of playing it handheld or on the TV is nice. Uh, how have you felt about the Switch Lite, which only you can play handheld? Mm. You know, like Switch Lite, you can't dock it and play it on the TV. Ah, the Switch Lite, the, the yeah, new one, right? right. I think definitely is a... Uh it's for the piece, uh, for it's for the person like me. You know, I I, I buy Switch because I want to to play in handheld experience. Of course, I the the light one would be uh design better when you play in handheld for a long time. I mean, that's that's uh, the Switch I have is the first generation and it's not designed well for you know you holding it for a long time. You're gonna tire your hand. And at the same time, is uh, I don't I don't need to you know unplug the controller, so I just want to keep it there. So that's why the uh, the lights is for the person like me, yeah. Cool. Uh, the thing I've been playing the most recently is Fortnite. I'm a, uh, yeah. Know, and my son plays it on the Switch, and I play it on my editing PC. And then yeah, so you can play together yeah, in the same yeah. server. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, nice. which is which is great. That's even funnier. Yeah, the other game you can do that with is Fantasy Strike, by my friend David Serlin. No, um, you can game. cross-play between uh, PS4, Switch, and PC. Yeah, yeah. So it's another good one. So I have my. Uh, I just finished the uh, Divinity, uh, original scenes. So that game will look like Diablo, but it's not. It's much deeper than that. Uh-huh. So you can play in the street, you save it, and then you can link directly to the Steam account, and then you can play in the PC later, and back and forth. Oh, that's so great. It's really nice. Like on the street, the screen is small, and then the uh, visual is downgrade, you know. But when you move back to city, everything is much, much better. So you can, you know, spending time for the... Uh, important level for on, on the PC, but then the less important thing on the Switch, like when you want to, you know, farming to to do something, side quest or something. Do you have any ideas for how to incorporate your kind of art style into a novel video game experience? Like, 
do you think that a game could be built around your style of art? I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, like, if it has a video game like that, I definitely buy it. <laughs> it's not because it's my art style, but also I I think it's for visually it's stunning. It can be bringing you a different experience. That's why I'm you know recently I'm I'm working on Unreal Engines, which is a real time engine software. But at the same time, we can help you to design game. I hopefully with or you know I can do something about it. I can uh, do something with Unreal Engine very soon. I think this year, I want to create my experience game. Have you ever messed around with Unity? So Unity is also my, um, it's one of my first choice. But then, if you want to do something with Unity, you have to start it. You have to, I mean, like, you have to really focus on studying because Unity is a building everything um very deep and uh, you you need to know a little bit of programming to help you to understand unity but unreal is the i think easier for me because i i don't have a programming background and unreal engine they they have everything it's a drag and drop and then just link it in the way you want mm. so uh, it's better for me as a visual artist to start with unreal first And then if you have want to do something more deeper, you can move to Unity. That's kind of funny because I, mm. I was always under the impression that people's impression was the reverse of that. That Unity was a little bit more drag and drop. But if you wanted to be more serious, you would use Unreal. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But but you know I don't know. Maybe it's maybe these things have changed. I used to work for Unity. Mm -hmm. Full disclosure. Um, And uh, I've never used Unreal, so I actually, you know, my perspective is going to be a little, a little jaded. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Certainly, I think in the past, Unreal was uh, known for their visual shader editor and as well as their visual gameplay scripting. Um, they used to have a system called Kismet, and I think now it's called Blueprint. I don't know if it's the same thing or a different thing, but. Yeah. When you're creating interactions using Unreal, like what kind of systems do you use in it? I just started with Unreal recently, so uh, it's a blueprint, and it's a drag and drop system. You can change the value; everything is blueprint. But then, if you want to uh, getting deeper in Unreal, they also have a way for you to do that, and uh, they also uh, allow you to program in Python. 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 Yeah. yeah. For me, so the reason I choose Unreal is also because as I want to do something a very short motion graphic for Unreal, and they providing a lot of assets, a lot of you know, city scenes, a lot of motor, the drop it there, you know, frame keyframe the motion, and and then we're done. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, quickly give us a, a, round, a rundown of the types of software that you use. That box uses day to day or or project to project. Mm. So of course we uh, we still using the uh, Adobe software like After Effects, uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, Premiere. But then we also use on a different software like uh, Unreal Engines to do some most graphic or to do some interactive. And also we are using S mode. Which is a a real time so a real time three D visualization software. It's from it's come from France. It's just uh they just finished the beta about three years ago, and uh, X, X mode S like the S of the Vietnamese S S like snake like snake yeah okay S, S mode. mode and another software is not it's not VFX. It's also the 3D visualizing software, but mostly they build it for uh, a lifestyle experience, and also you can do uh, VR and AR content on that. On that so, hmm. thank you for spending yeah time to talk with us today. Mm. Thank you. 
Yeah. If, Thomas. if again, if people would like to learn more about box, they can go to theboxcollective.tv. Correct. Or they can search the hashtag box visual. Box visual or box visuals on I, Instagram. Um uh, just yeah, just uh checking around with that. You know, box visual or box visual with S. Yeah. yeah. Is there an uh an account or you just use your personal account for your Instagram? I use the uh I use box account. Uh-huh. Yeah. The S is uh the box quality Vietnam. At the, the box, box collective, collective Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. You can search on Google and then the the first result is going to be our page. Wait, creative or collective? Collective. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can search for one. If you don't find it, search for the other. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, bro. <laughs> the first time to do that. <laughs> <laughs>